everybody is going to believe in your dreams and visions. And so do it trembling, do it fearful, do it unsure. Just do it and see how far it takes you. I'm a firm believer in failing knowing that I tried. Like, I just want to know that at least I tried. I gave it my best shot. And even if it doesn't play out, I know that I tried. That's all I want to do. Welcome again to another episode of Borderless Podcast. Uh, my name is Michael Benga, and I have a good friend of mine here. Welcome to the show, Tatenda. Thank you, Michael. I'm genuinely excited to be here, and I can't believe that this is happening because we've been talking about it for months and months on end. So I'm honored to be here, and I'm so proud of you for Thank taking you. this off. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. The pleasure is mine. Uh, you know, I've known you for a couple of years now. We met at OU. Mm-hmm. Um, you're UWC scholar as well, and you started this um, women empowerment group in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And I saw what you were doing with those girls, and at some point I was like, "Yeah, I have to get you on the podcast <laughs> just so you could tell me about your journey." You know, honestly, I felt inspired by what you were doing. Um, I do believe black women, young black girls especially, mm-hmm. need that space. Absolutely. Um, immigrant women need that space. Absolutely. Um, so w- what you were doing at OU was amazing. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm actually going to start off with that on a high. Could you tell me about, you know, the group you started, what you were doing and how that came about? Yes, absolutely. First of all, thank you for that inspiration. And I think just giving some background on that. It's always humbling when you have people that recognize your work and actually recognize the impact that it has in community. Because I think when I started it, I didn't think it would be as impactful as it has been. And I think like even seeing it grow in the last couple of years has been mind blowing to me. I'm like, wait a minute, you know, this started off as something really small, but people have come in and put so much, not only into me, but into the girls at OU. And it feels like a legacy, if anything. And um, it has helped me appreciate the importance of legacy, that sometimes when you're doing something, it's not just for you. It's not just about the opportunities that it will bring for you. You have lives that depend on you to step into your calling. You have lives that depend on you to use your gifts and for you to be aligned with what what you are called to do. So honestly, how AWL started, it's a very, very, very funny story. Um, But it honestly started off from a place of, I think, frustration. If anything, I came to OU as a freshman, um, you know, young black African female who was trying to navigate the U.S. system. And I think like I saw a lot of black African males in spaces that I wanted to be in. And I saw them, you know, like occupying these spaces and getting a lot of spotlight. And it just dawned on me that, wait a minute, you know, why is it that African females are also not in these spaces? You know, like we have similar gifts, we have similar talents. And why is that we cannot both of us, you know, like occupy the space. So it came from that place of frustration. And then looking around campus and genuinely seeing that there weren't any resources that were garnered towards African international females. So it started from that desire. And then I cannot talk about my story or AWL without talking about God. 
Um, and I need to give a disclaimer that this is not to force my religion on anybody or to force feed Christianity on anyone, but this is who I am and this is my story to share. So that is an important aspect that I cannot rub off. Absolutely. Yeah. So it came from, I remember I was in the meditation room doing my prayers and, you know, like I was literally just pouring out my heart that, you know, God, this is what I feel. I feel like I have this gift. I have this desire where I really just want to see African females occupying spaces, but I don't know what to do with it. And I kid you not, it felt like I had a whole blueprint laid out right in front of like a vision of so that this is what you need to do. It's going to be called African Women's League. These are the colors that I want you to go for. It was black, gold and red. This is what it should stand for. This is the mission. And I was just like, wait, I'm being given this and I'm expected to execute this. No, I don't think I'm the right person. I don't think I'm the right person for the job. This is a great job description. This is a great vision, but I just don't think I'm the one. So I had disqualified myself, honestly, from starting that organization because I didn't think I had it in me um, to do something like that. And that's a story, again, I will get into another layer of just identity and I guess a lack of identity, how it can sabotage some things that you are meant to do in life. So I remember going to a friend who I thought, no, you know, like they had their resume looked great for such a job. Like I'm like, okay, friend, you know, I think we should start this and whatnot. And she honestly was a bit, I I wouldn't want to say dismissive about it. She was like, yeah, no, it's great. But it's also like not all that, you know, like everybody has a dream. I'm like, okay, so this person is not taking me seriously. And I still feel this strong pull that this is something that I need to do. So that summer, I was supposed to go home. And when I say things just went left, things went left. And I ended up being on campus. And then I attended uh, the new leadership workshop, which is a five-day workshop for women who want to be in public office, undergrad. And, you know, it's a very rigorous intensive workshop way I think I'm always saying for the first time I was surrounded by women who spoke the same language as me uh, women who wanted to be in policy women who wanted to be in office we got to meet very prominent women senators uh, judges and lawyers and all of these great people and one female leader that stood out to me till this day is Senator A. Pittman um, she says she was a black senator and you know just seeing another black woman being in office, living out her dream, but more so making an impact in a community. I'm like, that's me. That's what I want to do. And being in that space where I, I literally had other women pour into my dreams and speak life into my vision gave me the push and the nudge that I needed. So I remember going to the director of new right at the end of the workshop and then I shared this dream with her or like this vision of AWL and she's like oh great I know somebody who is also a new alumni that you should definitely connect with Grace Olale and so I connected with Grace and she's like I've been wanting to say something similar on campus to attend I've got your back and from that day her and I were inseparable so she's always saying that she was the midwife to my pregnancy I had the baby and she was <laughs> <laughs> amazing amazing and so it was such a, I think like destinies collided. And I always say she was my destiny helper. And that's how AWS started. So during that summer, it was sitting down. For, like I said, I had the blueprint. It was a matter of taking it out from my head, putting it on paper. 
I had served in some uh, organizations, IAC, the International Advisory Board. Um, and so I had access to resources from IAC, like templates of the Constitution, how that plays out, leadership, how that plays out. And so the I think summer was the time when I really put in the work and Grace was extremely supportive. By the time we started the fall semester, it was pretty much a trial and error of like, okay, this is what I have. So I just need to find people that are for the vision. And there is this history, to be very honest. Like I approached a couple of people who became some of my exec members. And I remember that's the first time I was on uh, TV, national TV. I'm like, wait a minute. No. <laughs> You're like, you're like a celebrity right you now. You know, this is insane. And you know, like, it, the organization had not even taken off. It was like, we're still trying out to see. Bigger things out. Exactly. But already we had, I think it was Fox TV from Oklahoma wow. um, that came. They covered our story with so much support. And I think we created the framework of like, this is what we want AWR to be like. It was quite different from other organizations, again, because it was pretty unique and it was something that was not on campus, but I had an amazing team. I had an amazing group of people that came and supported that vision. So we officially launched the following year. And again, the reception that we got even from people on campus, it was like this was something that was needed. And then seeing how women, particularly young African international females coming together, supporting each other and achieving such amazing things, I'm like, yes, this is what I wanted to see. This is exactly what I lived for. So some of those highlights are seeing them thrive in, you know, like the area of profession or like getting accolades on campus or do it was so much stuff that was so overwhelming, but overwhelmingly great to see that this was something that was beyond me. And this was something that was even beyond my first exec and people that came to support this vision. This was for the young African women at OU and right now and beyond, to be honest. That's a conversation Absolutely. again, but to expand that vision. Absolutely. And, you know, this is amazing because... I'm following the Instagram page, right? Yeah. So I, I used to just see you guys organizing meetings, having cookouts. You know, you 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 literally brought together all the African girls on campus, you know, in one space yeah. to discuss womanhood and yeah. what it's like to be an African woman or what it's like to be a woman or an immigrant mm -hmm. and, you know, build that relationship among each other like sisterhood. I saw that and I, I liked it. You know, from the very start, I liked the idea. I'm, I'm someone who likes bringing people together. Mm -hmm. So when I see other people doing that, that all I have to do or all I can do is support. And, and there's this thing T.D. Jakes um, always say, um, and everything you've said so far basically just brought this to mind where he, he said, do you have the courage to act mm. outwardly on what you see Inwardly. inwardly? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's hard. It, it, <laughs> 
It is. It is tough. It is tough, especially in the world we live in today, mm-hmm. where people can be judgmental or people think, oh, you're doing too much just because you're trying to make a difference. And and that that goes to my, my, my second question, honestly, because you said you spoke about this with um, a friend or a couple of people, and some of them didn't take it too serious. Mm-hmm. And as humans, um, you're myself guilty. <laughs> we, we tend to take each other lightly. If I know you too much or if we have a really strong relationship, um, I know you because of we're friends, not the tender who wants to do things, not tender the, the innovator, not tender the, the thinker, not tender the one who gets things done. Mm-hmm. I know tender my friend who I, you know, play joke with, around. Joke around <laughs> so how do you deal with um, things like that. So when they told you, when you told them about the, the goal, about the dream and the vision, um, you know, how did that make you feel in your spirit? Because having a vision like that and even yourself, your relationship with yourself, even you not saying, oh, I don't think this is for me. How do you deal with all that um, and, you know, telling your friend and having second thoughts about it, that definitely will have you make second opinion, have second opinion too about it. So how did you deal with all that to the point where you actually went forward to execute that? Great question. I'm honestly like right now in my mind, I'm going back to that moment because I remember having that conversation <clears throat> and we were walking to an audition that she was supposed to have. And so it's very ironic that I was there supporting her dreams, right? Like I'm walking with her to an audition, but when it came to my dream, it was a little bit somewhat different. But I think one thing I've learned with people is to give grace, to give grace and to extend compassion to people. Sometimes it's not that your friends don't want to see you win, but like you rightfully said, they've not seen that side of you. But this is where it gets tricky that they should be able to evolve and grow with you, right? It's okay for you to know me as the tender that likes memes, that likes like I have leveled up and you know, and that's my mindset, my spirituality, and like if it's my goals and my dreams my friends should be able to evolve with me. It's not like just keep, because... Keep up with me. Exactly. Like, we should be able to be in step, you know, with each other. And so that was one of the major lessons that I took out from that experience that, hey, you know, it's okay to extend grace to people. But most importantly, you should believe in yourself more than anybody else believes in you. I think, like, when that external validation doesn't come... You shouldn't be in a place where you then disregard your own dreams because some people are just not going to believe in you the way you believe in yourself. You know, like the whole, I want to believe in myself the way Kanye believes in Kanye. Like, it's literally that. Um, and there's a quote, I'm going to paraphrase this by Brenda Boy, where he, in one of his songs, he talks about a dream and how important a dream is, how Martin Luther King had a dream. Some people didn't see his dream and vision, and that's why he he was murdered because of his dream, right? So it's something that's important to note that not everybody is going to believe in your dreams and visions. And so do it trembling, do it fearful, do it unsure, just do it and see how far it takes you. I'm a firm believer in failing, knowing that I tried. Like, I just want to know that at least I tried. I gave it my best shot. And even if it doesn't play out, I know that 
I tried. That's all I want to do. And so it was something I had to learn during that time. And I think like fighting a lot with imposter syndrome, my identity, a lot of things from my background that I used to disqualify myself from such opportunities. And that's something that if I'm being completely honest, I still am working on that, you know, there's some spaces I've walked into, Michael, that till now I'm like, wait, God, is that really me? Like, am I supposed to be here? And you just realize and recognize that sometimes you are used as a testimony or as a beacon for other people to see that you cannot be disqualified by your background. You cannot be disqualified by where you've been from or where you come from. But (laughs) You know, God will qualify the cold. Like when you've been called to do something and when it's time, nothing can stop you from entering into that season. And so that is something that I've had to learn that, you know, um, there's nothing that can ever disqualify me from everything that is meant for me. Coach that and read it. Amen, amen, amen <laughs> to that. Yo. <laughs> you, you, you're speaking right now. You're literally preaching. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing to, you know, see you as this girl from OU, um, you know, you, you're all the way from Zimbabwe, you're from Zimbabwe. Are you from uh, the capital? Yes, Harare. Are you from the capital? You know, you went to UWC, uh, went to Oklahoma, started this thing with, uh, you know, young girls, and now you're in D.C. And, you know, you said something about lack of identity and, you know, fighting imposter syndrome, which I think is pretty common to a lot of us. That's something I deal with as well. Yeah. All the time, you know, not feeling like I'm enough, not feeling like um, I'm, I'm qualified for this job, mm-hmm. even though I was selected for the job. Exactly. Um you know, and it can be a lot of a lot of things, like you said, in our backgrounds that make you feel the way you feel um, towards those things. Uh, but for your case, for example, talking about lack of identity, given that you born and raised in Africa, you went to school in Bosnia, in Bosnia, mm-hmm. Europe. You know, came to for college in the U.S. How much has your identity changed and how do you balance that? Um, you know, do you ever feel like sometimes you lose yourself in, in, you know, just moving from place to place, meeting people from different culture, having to emerge yourself in different cultures, different ideas, different opinions? Um, you think that has played, uh, you know, a part in, you know, in that lack of identity you spoke about? And if yes, how have you been able to manage that? Quick question. And I think that is a very complex and multidimensional question because I think evolution is not linear and it doesn't happen in in one season or one year. It, it happens in different seasons and, you know, at different times. So I would say my lack of identity was earlier on when I started college, if I'm being completely honest. I think I felt very misaligned with who I am. I was far away from home. I was dealing with a lot of trauma and coming out of UWC where... That was my first experience, you know, away from home, two years away from home. You're just 16. You're trying to figure life out. And then now you're in the U.S. There's so many expectations. 
I, I, I battled with that question of oh, who am I and where do I want to be, right? And I think like even trying to come to a place of being able to acknowledge that there's some things that I need to deal with, like traumas that have blindsided or impeded on my identity of self. The thing is, I think we all sometimes have a sense of who we are. To be very honest, somewhere deep down within us, we have a sense of who we are or what other people like to call the higher self. Like when you envision your higher self, what does that look like? We have a sense of it. But then because of life, we have all these other factors that seem to make that vision a little bit blurry or even murky that you can't clearly see um, until we choose to clean those lenses, right? And that looks like taking the steps towards healing your trauma, taking the steps to even be able to do the work in rediscovering yourself, being open-minded to change because sometimes we're in survival mode because of how we grew up, right? And I think, like you said, most of us share similar backgrounds or from Africa. We are raised in a survival mode. We have to make the most out of the little resources that we have, right? Tell me about and, <laughs> and so with that mindset of scarcity, when we're exposed to abundance, we don't know what to do with it, right? It, it can be mm. very scary because it's a new reality. It's a new environment. And it's now having to undo the mindset of survival mode and walking into abundance. And this is also tied with dealing with childhood traumas and wanting to walk into the adult that, you know, is radiating positivity and, you know, manifesting all these beautiful goals. And so... It's, it's, it's a journey. That's what I can say. It's a journey of finding yourself and most importantly, knowing what you value. Because if there's one thing I know and have seen is that my core values have not changed. My, my core, who I am at my core as Tatenda, that has not changed. But how I see and perceive the world and how I'm now able to sort of like merge my core values into the world has changed. So for example, how, you know, I was talking about AWL and how for me, I got that vision from God. I made that disclaimer that I am not imposing my religion on other people. That was an understanding that came from my educational background that, hey, not everybody is Christian. Not everybody believes in religion even. And it's that's not supposed to be a dividing factor. The same way that I am a young black African female, right? Another person might be a white American male. That shouldn't be a dividing factor, but instead to understand people for who they are and see the world through their lenses, whether we agree or disagree, it should be respectfully. And so it's it's that it's a very complex thing, but I think it's it's that mix of essentially being grounded within oneself and being so intentional about doing the work, making sure you understand your core values. If you're healing from something, from traumas and all of these things, you're able to identify them, acknowledge them and understand how they're blurring your identity and then choosing to undo that. And honestly, being patient with yourself as you go through that process, because even as you're walking into a better version of yourself, that can be so new. Like I said, 
I didn't think I could be a founder of a whole organization, let alone be in DC, right? That is new to me. And being able to say, I belong here. Like I am enough. I'm adequate. Even in, in my in my imperfections, I'm adequate as I am. So that is to say it's a process. Amazing. Yep. Amazing. You you just dropped so many gems and my <laughs> <laughs> and and my mind is still processing a lot of them, but you are so on point. And and I think being patient with yourself is is an ongoing process because yes. You step into a new reality of who you are yeah. and you're dealing with this new you and you're like, okay, this is who I am now. This is mm-hmm. who I want to become. This is who I want to be or whatever it might be for you. And then you set your goals. Um, you know, they say each, uh, well, every level brings a new devil. Oh, yeah. You know, so <laughs> every new you has its own challenges. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes you do feel spiritually, you know, in your mind, body, and soul that okay, I'm I'm at a new level now in life, and and um, and if you're a new level, if you're at a new level in life, how I see it, sometimes you you're like a baby mm-hmm. crawling. You basically know nothing about this level. That's you true. step into adulthood, you have to be patient with yourself. Yeah. Now you're dealing with bills. <laughs> You've never dealt with bills before, and okay. you can't seem to figure out how to make a budget or manage yourself or how to spend your money wisely. You're having all this money. You mm-hmm. just got your first job, like, oh, I'm, I'm struggling. I, I have the money, but I don't know where it's going. That's true. You've never been here before. Mm-hmm. I like how you're putting it down like you've never been here before. Yeah. And there's no manual. That's uh-uh, the thing. Uh-uh. There's no manual for it. Yeah. You know, so you have to exercise a lot of patience with yourself. Mm-hmm. I feel a lot. A shit ton. Yeah. I feel a lot. But I use my failure to do some reflection. Okay. And sometimes the crazy thing about me failing now that I think about it, is I'll do the same things over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'll sit down. Like, why am I, why, why is my life not moving forward? That's good. And then you, try, you, you see the patterns. Okay, I'm spending way too much on things I'm not supposed to be spending on. And even though I know I'm not supposed to be spending on these things, sometimes it's just hard to cut to those stop. ties. Mm-hmm. And you have to make those difficult decisions sometimes. And that's how you grow. Okay, now I have to start making a budget. I get paid XYZ amount of dollars a month. XYZ goes to gas, to this, to that. And now you're in charge. Mm -hmm. You're managing things. Mm -hmm. And that's how you basically get in in control. And at some point you're like, okay, I need an extra income. Because my expenses. But again, it takes time for you to get there. And if you're just frustrated, if you're just, you know, beating yourself, pushing yourself down, you might not even get to that next stage in life where you're like, okay, now I'm saving X, Y, Z. Everything is in control. Mm -hmm. Let me find a way to get an extra income. You literally just go back into survival mode at that point. So um, exercising patience, I resonate a lot with that. And I think it's very, 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 very important. Yeah. And um, you said something about core values, which I want to, you know, elaborate, want you to elaborate uh, some some more. You said your core values haven't changed. Um, you know, what, what, what are your core values and how do they come about? And when did you decide to make them <laughs> your core values? Yeah. Uh, no, like with core values... 
I think I'll speak on a few because we can have a list of, of all of those. But I think my top ones are definitely my relationship with God. Um, I can never talk about my story, quite honestly, without talking about the grace of God and how I've seen that manifest in my life and how I have made that my core value is because I've experienced it myself. You know, most of African people are raised in religious families. Um, we might have a certain religious belief, whether you're Catholic, you're Christian, you're Muslim. And it's mainly because your family believes in that. But for me, it was also I needed to forge my own relationship with God, with Christ, and experience that on my own, which I did at a very young age. And that was something, there were situations where there was no one else to turn to. I could only fall on my knees and pray and ask for some kind of miracle to happen. And God, it felt like God came through. So it, it got to that point where nobody else could convince me that God doesn't exist or Jesus doesn't exist because it was, I experienced him in areas and places where no human could have been able to help me in that in that place. So that's my biggest core value. And then the second one is family. I'm a very family-oriented person. I love my family. I love making family or having a sense of community. So like I think family or community really are interchangeable. That having a, an immediate community around me um, is very essential. I thrive very, very much when I'm around community. And I think OU spoke to that. I was surrounded by people all the time that apart from believing in my dreams, people I could just count on to do life with. And that is such an important thing because as humans, um, we were created for community. We were created for companionship. Absolutely. And I think COVID showed that, if anything, when we had the whole lockdowns, you know, like uh, being forced to, to, to our spaces, we realized that no, we need each other. We need to be interacting with other humans. I So that's one of the other biggest core values. And then I think hard work is another. <laughs> I cannot emphasize or stress this <laughs> enough to just work hard for whatever it is that you want in life. Like nothing ever comes easily. You you need to put your back into it. Um, some of us are honestly leaving testimonies from the work that we probably did in high school. And you can probably relate because you're UWC that we got opportunities into UWC because of the work that we're putting in whilst we're in high school. And that is the work that has opened these multiple doors that have led us here. Yep. So I'm a firm believer in working hard to achieve one's dreams and goals. Try everything. Again, like I said before, do your best and fail knowing that you tried. I live by that. I genuinely live by that. So those are my top three core values that I that I live by. Amazing, amazing. I'm I'm inspired. Um, you know, I'm inspired. And you you're absolutely right about hard work. I I'm a firm believer in hard work as well. Um, I, I work hard. I, I believe I work hard, and that's the only thing I know. It's it's. I wake up in the morning and and I grind. That's a good thing. You know, I wake up That's in the morning and I grind. That's just my mindset. That's just what I believe in. Um, and it, it helps. It does. It helps. For me, the most beautiful thing about hard work is just looking back and seeing the value 
or the payoff mm-hmm. of hard work of hard work and you appreciating it that's true um there's been moments in my life where you know i've worked hard for something and towards the end i'm like oh this is it mm-hmm. and i i i don't appreciate the results even though and especially at the moment yeah but i sit down and then i do some reflection think about the whole process and i'm like oh i actually worked really hard for this mm-hmm. like this is something i deserve and then i start appreciating you know that thing that's good and and for me that's why reflection is is so important mm-hmm. especially if you are a hard worker and um you know, I was listening, I think it was T.D. Jakes again, mm-hmm. and he was talking about people who have the spirit of excellence. Yes, them. yes. And, and it's it's a thing which, it's good, but it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Unexpected turn, okay. Yes, walk it's me through good, that. It's but it's annoying because <laughs> you're never satisfied. Mm-hmm. You know, you work hard, you get something, and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm on to the next. That's it. So I, I need something else. I need a new challenge. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it just excites you. Um, you know, so hard work is good. Um, you know, and I think with, with hard work, there basically is nothing you can't really achieve. That's true. That's um, true. And one of the core values you, you spoke about is family, which I want to dive into, our community. Mm-hmm. You know, you're from Zimbabwe. I was... Uh, how was your childhood like? How did you grow up? Um, you know, how was your how was your childhood like? My childhood was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was me, a, it was it was a very it. very interesting childhood. Um, I did not have your conventional being raised by two parents, unfortunately, because life happened. My parents separated when I was pretty young and so my reality was very different from a lot of my peers and the things that I needed to adjust to or try to understand was very different from everybody else around me and so I was raised by my mom and she is one of my biggest if not my role model in life Um, her strength her hard work to ensuring that me and my sisters got everything that we needed and, you know, driving home that point of the importance of education that no matter what, we made sure that we were going to school, even when things were hard. Like, school was a priority, and that is something that was instilled in me. So my childhood, again, it was very different from everyone else's. And, you know, growing up in a very tough economic situation like Zimbabwe and then being raised by a single mother in such an environment there were times when we didn't even have food to eat right there were times when sometimes my mom could not afford to have all three of us be going to school we were in and out of school um, and just trying to make ends meet and genuinely seeing the struggle of that and the implications that it had on us so it was hard and I think that's one of the most heartbreaking things um of growing up in an African country that it's a story, the story of poverty becomes a common bonding factor, which is, yes, well, it's great that we're bonding, but why, <laughs> what are we bonding on? Trauma, trauma bonding. <laughs> you know, we, we are bonding on the struggle and it's, it's an unfortunate thing, right? And so that was one of the 
things that stood out to me the most growing up that, you know, to make it out of struggle or survival mode, I need to work hard and make sure that as I'm going up, I am also able to support my family and make sure that we're going up together. And so, yeah, that's just a little bit of Absolutely. my childhood. Absolutely. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. And there's there's just so much lessons to be learned, you know, in, in growing up in an environment like that. And and what I can say is you are you are chosen, you're special. Thank you. Um and I'm saying this because you as well can testify that you were not the only kid who grew up in an environment like that. True. But when you look back at your friends, some of them didn't take the path you took, even though maybe your situation was even worse than oh, some yeah. of them. Um, it takes a, a, a special mindset. Mm-hmm. Um special determination and hunger for you to grow up in those environments yeah. and say, I have to be the difference, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, and, and, and actually be the difference. Um, so you, you, you're, very, you're very special. I like your mindset. Thank you. Um, you know, and I think it's, it's, it's very interesting. I, I was raised by, I grew up in a, in a home where my, my mom and dad, you know, separated when I was 10. Mm. So same, similar same story. story for yep. me. <laughs> uh, my school was two hours away from my home. So I'd, I'd wake up at five. Wow. Just to go to school in the morning. Uh, sometimes I'll wake up at two. Uh, AM, yeah, very early. I was like 10, 11. I had no business doing that. You're a child. Yeah. That's the thing, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was basically my own, my story, my mm-hmm. own background. Wake up at 2 AM, study until like 5. Then I have to shower, dress up. 6, 6.30, I have to leave house wow. so I can get to school. Um, so I do relate to a lot of what you're saying and... For me again, it's it's that environment that really got me to the mindset of okay, if I'm gonna make it out of this place, mm-hmm. I, I really have to put in and make some sacrifices too, and that that's a very big part. Sometimes we forget to talk about about how success is sacrifice. Yeah, it is. We we have to sacrifice a lot, right? And I think like that that is a very sensitive topic of sacrifice um and i think you might relate to this where your peers might have some things or have the option i think that's the biggest thing they might have the option to not perform as much but we don't have that option right you you need to sacrifice a lot of the things that seem like leisure you need to sacrifice mentality or even mindset of oh my, my childhood has been robbed from me. We don't have time to process that I'm not being a kid right now, right? You, you have to step into being mature. You have to step into being an adult. It's such a tender age because we don't have that option to be a kid. And that's something that I feel a lot of people do not understand the implications of such an environment or having to grow up like that. Yes, it's great that, you know, success has come 
but we also grieve the things that we had to sacrifice at a tender age. And even till now that, you know, as adults, we're having to sacrifice a lot of things just to be where we are. And as immigrants, we're far away from our families. So much is happening back home and we have to be here to make sure that we're making ends meet. That's a huge sacrifice. We're, we're missing out on a lot of opportunities to make memories with the people that we love. And we can't buy that back. That That's a sacrifice it's that we gone. need to make. It's, it's gone, exactly. And so that's it's it hits such a sensitive spot because I feel a lot of people do not appreciate our stories and our stories I mean immigrants the things that we have to sacrifice and we need to let go of in order to make you know ends meet or to create a better future for people and most importantly even our leaders back home are busy being corrupt they don't understand (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. <laughs> they don't understand what they're having to force people to sacrifice, you know, when they're being so corrupt that people will have to leave their families and make these big decisions yeah. um, at the expense of being with family. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you talking about time that never comes back and being away from family took me back to when I was applying for internships at OU. And they were interviewing two people at a time. Mm -hmm. Myself and this girl, she's American. She's American. And during the interview, they told us we're going to go out of state Mm -hmm. for the internship in case we got in. And she started crying. (laughs) (laughs) And they told us we're going to be away for two months. And then she started crying because she's never been away for, from, from her family for that long. Mm-hmm. And, and that just put things into perspective for me because when I think about my family being thousands of miles away, I'm like, okay. At first, when she was doing that, I was in my, in my head, I was laughing. I'm like, yeah. if I tell you my own story or mm-hmm. where my family is, uh, you, you'd be amazed. But then you come to think about it, family and having the people you love, Around being you. close to you is, is the ultimate. It's, it's a blessing. It is. It's a blessing. And that's a huge sacrifice we are making, just not being home, not being, you know, oh, your mom is sick or your dad mm-hmm. is sick and you not being able to go there immediately. True. Or your, your, your mom is having a, a birthday or your mm-hmm. dad is having his birthday and you not being able to celebrate with them, you know, next door or just, you know, take a car and drive to the house. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge sacrifice. And and that's why we have to make this count. Mm-hmm. That's true. So whatever sacrifices we're making now, we have to make sure it counts. It has to count for something. That's true. Because it would be a shame to just make all those sacrifices and at the end of the day, you know, you, you're playing with, you know, whatever gifts Mediocre. or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's it's a very, very, very interesting topic. It's a very, very interesting, you know, discussion to, to dive into for sure. And we all have different relationships with our family mm-hmm. and, and um, some people can't be away for more than X, Y, Z amount of years. Yeah. Some people can, but we've literally... We've literally grown up away from our family. We literally became matured outside, you know, the we continent. We raise ourselves. Yeah. So um, it's it's you 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 have a different mindset when life 
that type of life has been given to you to just deal with the cards that you have. Okay, growing up away from mom and dad, you have to figure out yourself. You have to pay your own bills. You have to be way... Mom and dad aren't going to tell you these are bad friends, especially when you're in college. <laughs> you have to decide who the bad friends are at that point. You um, discern, yeah. You know, but it's, it's, it's very, very interesting. And, and, you know, I appreciate you coming to the show and, you know, talking about your story. Um, it's been a long time coming and I'm glad we were finally able to get this done. Um, you know, just to round up, do you have any, you know, closing words for people out there? Um, you know, especially to young girls, young black girls coming up. Yeah, no, um, I think right now we're living in a time and to give context before I dive into this is I was watching a, a YouTube vlog yesterday of a girl that I'm friends with on Facebook. I'm currently not on Instagram. Um, and she posted something. And this is not to judge her, but I was really it, it, it was a food for thought. It really provoked my my thinking. And she was talking about her experience. She's a 24-year-old girl. Uh, and she was talking about her experience with sugar daddies, right? And she shared this on a platform essentially to warn other girls not to go down that path because she tried it and it was not worth it. And her reason was for doing the sugar daddies was that she just wanted the softer things in life, right? Like she wanted to live the good life. And so I had a discussion with somebody close to me and he was saying that, you know what's so funny is that right now, if you look back maybe five, ten years ago, that there were some girls who were probably sleeping around with these sugar daddies, probably now have HIV for an iPhone 6. We're now on iPhone 14, right? But at the time, iPhone 6 seemed like I've made it in life type of thing. And they're sacrificing their futures um, for that in-the-moment gratification. So my advice to girls out there do not be swayed I don't, I, this is going to sound very churchy, but do not be swayed by the things of this world. Do not be materialistic to sabotage your future. And don't take the short way out of achieving your dreams or achieving the life that you want. Because I am seeing the turn of like soft life, you know, all of these things. It's easy to feel pressured to want to get there and to have all of these things and make it, you know, seem like you've actually made it in life. But if anything... Go through the process, even when it seems like it's not yielding fruit, right? There's nothing that you're doing right now that will not yield a fruit eventually. You might not see the result now. I'll give the analogy of a seed. When you put a seed in the ground, you're going there, watering it all the time, right? And you're making sure that... Um, the weeds, there are no weeds and whatnot. You don't go and open up the hole and see if the seed is actually going. You see it sprout up. It's the same thing with life. You're putting in the seeds of your hard work. You're putting in the seeds of your discipline. You're putting in the seed of your vision, having a clear-cut vision. Stick to that process and keep watering those things. Eventually, it might not be now. It might not be next year. It might not even be in the next five years, but keep yourself rooted in who you are and going through that process because eventually it's going to pay off. Shortcuts, 
who end your life sooner than <laughs> you think. So don't do it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That was powerful. That was very, very powerful. Absolutely. And uh, I, I don't think that's just for, you know, young girls. That's for literally everyone Everybody. out there um, in terms of shortcuts, in terms of don't be too materialistic. Focus on your grind, define your goals and, uh, and keep Reframing moving. Reframing who you are. Yeah. Because it's, it's, I'm not going to lie, Michael, especially it's a sad thing. And I think I, I will be hypocritical if I say I've not been influenced by trends, right? It's very easy. And that's one of the main things that took me off of Instagram and like social medias. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on TikTok. I, I, I don't want to be on it because it's so easy to digest these things and compare yourself even without wanting to do that. And so be firm in who you are. Do what you feel is best for you and that actually yields a positive outcome. Not only now. My mom is always call it, calling it myopic reasoning. Don't look at the now. Look at the long-term effect yes. of the decisions that you're making in the now, right? Yes. And then other people call it delayed gratification. Don't do it just because it yields a result now. Do it because it sustains you in the long run. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you again, once again, so much for being here.